And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? Welcome back. This is Andrew Morgan, your host for today's episode of Startup Hustle, covering all things e-commerce, Amazon, entrepreneurship. Um, I'm super excited about today's guest. I say that every week, but that's because I actually am. I get some amazing guests on this show, and uh, I'm just privileged to get the chance to pick their brains for 45 minutes and share some of that with you. So, um, founder of Marknology here with you today. Uh, we're going to get into some awesome stuff. Before we do, today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Gusto. Gusto has modern solutions for modern HR problems, whether it's talent management, payroll, or onboarding tools. Gusto's HR platform has it all for you. Be smarter than your competitors. Try a three-month free subscription now. Just sign up at gusto.com backslash startup puzzle to get started. That's gusto.com backslash startup puzzle. Um, super thankful for our sponsors. They're, they're what fund us being able to promote this show and get it out to more viewers. Um, and I personally am a user of Gusto, so I love when our sponsors are also something that I'm using in my day-to-day. Um, but today's episode is called Selling Your E-Commerce Business. And a lot of our listeners know that right now it's a super hot time with aggregators. Of course, a lot of business builders are in it from the beginning to exit. That's part of their plan. Um, and even if it's not part of your plan, it should be at some point. Um, so a lot of stuff around this that I think will be a lot of fun. Today's guest has sold his own business, um, now runs a consulting agency, Um and some, uh, I won't go into all of that, has his own podcast, uh, several brands he's working with. So he has a lot of expertise around this space. Coming all the way from England, Matt Edmondson, welcome to the show. Wow, thank you for that intro. It's great to be here. Uh, all the way from England too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, I think we're going to have a lot of fun because we've already had an hour together or so where we've mm-hmm. got ch- I've got to chat it up on your own podcast. That's um, right oriondigital.com backslash e-commerce dash podcast. I'm going to have that in the notes for anyone that's listening in the car if they want to I'll get just some go more. to ecommercepodcast.net. That's okay, much easier e-commerce to podcast.net. Thank you. I didn't have those notes, so um, appreciate it. But no, we had a lot of fun talking there. Um, and, you know, we even talked some business afterwards, I think. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. going to be it's going to be a great connection. We were connected by someone great already. Yeah, so, yeah. I feel very close. So I'm just going to keep it real today with the questions. Um, As like my listeners know, I love getting into um, the founder's story. Uh, I think that that's something that kind of connects whoever's on the show, whether they're guests, the hero story, um, and let's listeners and myself, because this this is honestly for me. I'm trying to get value (laughs) and by proxy, everyone else does. So, um, you know, I know you started a business, uh, you know, I think I have notes here from 2004. Was that your first um, I guess attempt into, into entrepreneurship. When did you know you were going to be an entrepreneur or a founder? I think I knew when I was a kid, you know, um, I remember when I was at school, uh, I often say I started out life as a drug dealer because when I was at school, we, um, we were 
we had this sort of these changing rooms where all the all the boys got changed and the girls got changed in the other one. And so you'd call it high school. We just called it uh, senior school. And so okay. I would have been probably what thirteen at the time or something like that. And you, so our our high school is is. Six, 16, 17, 18. Oh, okay. In which case, I've no idea what it is, but it's, I was about sort of 12, 13 okay. years old. And um, I was, um, I, you kind of have to picture the scene, right? I have ginger hair. I have, uh, like yourself, right? I have uh, national health glasses. Now, if you're of a certain age and you're English, you'll know what that means. Basically, it means I had these government supplied glasses, which were really ugly. Okay, mm. so I had these sort of national health glasses, ginger hair, and I used to get bullied quite a bit. And so uh, one of the things that I did uh, to become, you know, a bit more popular and not get bullied was I, I sort of tried to find my way in by selling stuff to these guys. They thought they were getting a bargain. I was making a bit of money on the side. And one of the things that I realized quite quickly that I could sell were my asthma pills. So I had asthma um, uh, when I was when I was younger. And um, the doctors gave me these tablets that I was supposed to take every day. I didn't need them every day, but I was supposed to take them every day. These tablets, though, when you took them, made you, um, well, made you pass wind, you know, through your backside. They made you okay. fart. And so um, so I sold them as fart tablets. I, and, I'm, and because I didn't pay for this medicine, because we're in England, we have the National Health Service, I got all these med- this medicine for free. And then I'd sell it to the guys certainly all the boys in the class who would buy them and go around fighting all afternoon. And they were, you know, stoked about this. They were loving and, it. Yeah, no, no, it was, it was, it was all mock-up for me uh, until I got caught by the teachers. Um, but the doctors, That's fight or flight. That's fight or flight. That's yeah. survival skills at that point. Yeah, well, you've, you've got to do something, right? You've got to do something. Yeah. And so that's how it started. And when I left university, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, Andrew, if I'm honest with you. I just... I was young, you know, I'd, I'd lived in the States for a while. I'd, um, I would traveled a little bit and some kind of like, I've, I'd moved from my hometown to Liverpool and I'm kind of like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what career to do. I just, I know I want to do something for myself. Can we pause right there for a second? So, sure. okay. So, you know, 13, 14, you're in England, somewhere in there in, in college. When you say university, what's that? Is that like the next, Sorry. like 17, yeah, 18? Yeah, so, um, I, university over here is college for what you would call college. We okay. call university. So it's so where you do both. your degree. Basically. We have both. We have university and college. I think the difference is like the size. Like if it's a four-year school or okay. a two-year school, just so you know. Uh, but so you did that in the U.S. and then came back. No, to no, Liverpool? no. I, sorry, I did university here. I okay. lived. I, I before going to university. Um, I, I, I don't know how boring you want me to be, but I took some. I took some time out after my A-levels. So we finished school when I was 18. We did what we call A-levels. Um, and I then moved to the States for about 18 months. And I worked okay. in a children's home in North Carolina. That's like what we do here, program. I think. Like, you know, a lot of our students will try to go to Europe for study abroad yeah, or something exactly. a year or two to kind of figure yeah, out what yeah. they're doing. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't know that that even we had the other way. I didn't even know it went the other way. So yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, no, it did. It was, it was life-changing. It was amazing. You know, you see the world is bigger than who you are, really, mm. which is a bit of a revelation when you're 18 years old because the world normally revolves around you when you're 18. And so, um, so yeah, when I left uni, um, I, had an, I wanted to go into business for myself, but I had an opportunity to go and work for um, a friend of mine who was a, is an entrepreneur, a man I totally ad- 
respected and adored. I thought he was fantastic. He was a great dad. He was a great husband. And he was running a successful business. And he had ginger hair. I mean, you know, the the the, the list of credentials just kept on growing with this fella. And Trustworthy so he, immediately. Exactly, exactly. You know, like, like honestly, like, I can relate to that. I'll pause just for a second because what once was such a big insecurity is now you know, funny and it's mm-hmm. popular now almost to be a ginger, but very much so. I, were you from a, like a, I guess a lower income family to get like, at least here, if we're getting government aid, you know, kind of implies certain things. I don't understand with the healthcare in Europe, if that means the same thing, but you know, to have the government level glasses and did you come from like, I guess a business family or like, you know? Yeah. My, um, it's it's a bit of an odd one, really, because my parents divorced when I was a young kid, when I was nine. So this is back in the 80s, where divorce was still quite uncommon back then. Mm. Um, and so it was a bit unusual growing up in a single parent family. Now, my mum was poor when we were growing up. She worked several jobs, tried to maintain, you know, life. She, probably one of the mo- people I respect most in the world is my mum yeah. and how she fought for her kids. Um, my dad uh, worked for himself. And then his company was bought out. And so he went to work for them. And so I saw my dad as a, you know, he was he was kind of a, an entrepreneur. And then he was bought out by another company and worked for them. So I could see the difference in him, actually. Um, sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was not great for him. So you um, had a little bit of insight into, like, doing your own thing or the freedom that comes yeah. with that. Or, okay. Yeah. So and my, I, also, so- I also had insight into growing up without stuff but at the same time my dad had stuff it's just that i rarely saw it so hence you saw you saw dad have it you saw mom have nothing you're like okay there's two worlds here yeah uh so for me just relating it um you know grew up missionary family in africa Mm um oh wow so you know just till i was 16 i i moved back from uh congo at 16. wow um so you were there the whole of your childhood not the entire time. Actually, I just didn't want to bore you either. But three, I was uh, born in Montreal. By three, I was in Cameroon. Okay. Um, then I lived in Moscow and uh-huh. then Botswana and then Congo. Good. Um, and then I know. I know. Uh, and they let you back context. into the States when you were 16 after going to all those places, too. Honestly, it was after 9 11. It was December 25th, 2001. And yeah. for the next 10 years, I was on a list and I got like frisked down and, uh, you know, brought to another wow. room almost every time I flew for the next 10 years. So I wow. was on the list. Wow. Uh, but you can imagine um, being red haired, like coming back from Africa uh, to a public school. They don't know what to do with you. You mm-hmm. know, the kids don't. They're like the black kids don't know what to do with you, but you feel more comfortable around them yeah, than anyone else. And then yeah. and the white kids are um country or a little racist some of them or things like that that i didn't relate to you know i'm like i ain't like that either i'm cultured i'm not like you know a hillbilly mm-hmm. so you know just getting picked on small glasses you know same thing and you're making friends with whoever will accept you mm-hmm. and keep you out of trouble mm-hmm. um but i had a dad that had freedom in his life mm-hmm. so we didn't have financial freedom but geographically and like you know doing his own thing in africa right we were pioneers there was not even organizations there he started he started it he was the Mm -hmm. first one you know for a lot of a lot of those places so seeing that then seeing coming him seeing him come back here at times like later in life and work right Mm -hmm. for the man or Mm -hmm. a job looked like it was killing him in some ways to have freedom like that and then you know we weren't there wasn't working remote and all these things that there are today Mm -hmm. it was you know if you were living overseas and working or 
you were you had to make a living there yeah. to stay so relating to you on that just like where i think everyone has this like uh an inspirational source where like mm -hmm. doing your own thing is like you know because there's the amount of entrepreneurs that become not even just successful the ones that like become entrepreneurs and support themselves through life um there's very few of us number one there's a whole lot more that accept just like i'm just going to work the job and that's yeah. great for me um and so there's usually somewhere where i think that like first light bulb or that first flame of like i want to do my own thing um comes from and for me yeah. like I always just love doing a great job. I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. I didn't see missionary work or mission work or that as yeah. being business at all. Um, it was just the freedom aspect yeah, that I yeah. latched onto, you know? So it was, I wanted to be able to, to, so, you know, I didn't even know the word entrepreneur until I was, I don't know, 24, 25. Like yeah, but I didn't it wasn't even... fashionable, was it, until a few years ago? Yeah, I didn't I, even I know I don't know if it's meant. the same for you, but certainly here in the uk entrepreneur was seen as something that you would say if you were unemployed or couldn't find a job do you know what i mean it's like it was it was ridiculed it was looked down upon i mean recently has this term been glorified redeemed. a little bit yeah, yeah yeah so for me i think i i just didn't think of business but i was always hustling mm. so you know always had three or four hustles going on okay mm. so we're back you're working for this guy besides your mom this guy that really inspired you um you know like you still respect to this day let's talk more about him and what's next yeah so his his name's simon and to this day he and i are still good friends he um i, I worked for him for five years and he sold the business uh, after that and um he he moved from the uk to new zealand where he still lives and every year i try and go and see him because new zealand is a beautiful part of the world that you should definitely see at least once in your life and um yeah, for those five years, I kind of went from not knowing anything to watching this guy who was running a small business and uh, we were importing saunas and steam rooms from Germany. And so I had to learn how to do sales, how, how to do telesales, how to do um, health spa design and installation. Do you know what I mean? And and we weren't just selling saunas, you know, that you would buy for a couple of quid uh, or, you know, a few thousand bucks. No, 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 no. We were selling the most expensive sauna I ever sold was one hundred and twenty thousand pounds, which is wow. what, about one hundred and sixty thousand dollars somewhere around there for a, for, a, you know, a sort of seven, eight foot square wooden room. It's a lot of money. Um, and so I, I just loved it. I absolutely I got into it. We I love the job. I love what I was doing with, you know, just meeting people and solving problems and understanding that this is how business worked. And and to be honest, like aside just a side perk or the side thought of that is like anyone you're meeting that's buying a sauna for a hundred thousand dollars probably has a pretty cool origin story themselves not everyone oh, man. right I, but i, can't, I cannot but, begin to tell you right what would happen was these guys um would we would take them to germany to see the factory to do the tour to go around health spas in germany because the health spas were so much better in germany than in the uk certainly at the time it you know it was a we were so far behind the curve. It was ridiculous. And so we would go over to Germany. And so we would, I would get to spend two, three days with these people. We're at health spa. So the mobile phone doesn't work. And if I'm honest with you, German health spas, they don't wear clothes, right? And it's yeah. just, it's just part of their culture. So you talk about getting to know someone, you know, 
in a way that no one else has ever got to know them before. And you're sat there, you're talking about their origins, what they like. And I had people telling me stories about, I I remember asking one guy, I'm not going to name drop, but I remember asking one guy, what was the worst impulse purchase you ever made? Because my wife was always going on at me for impulse purchases. You know, and I'd impulse purchase maybe, I don't know, uh, a CD or, you know, yeah, this was something back on in the Instagram day. Yeah, yeah. hoodie or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he's, she, his wife just looked at him and said, oh, you've got to tell him the story now. And so he, he just sort of put his head down as we sat there in the restaurant that night. And he said, oh, he said, last week I made a really bad impulse purchase. He said, I, I really like black cars. And I was just, I just happened to be near the Ferrari showroom and they had a black Ferrari in there. And he said, so I went and bought it. <laughs> Just impulse purchased a Ferrari. And then he said, I drove it back to the house. And he said, I drove it around for a day or two. And he said, I just didn't like it. So I drove it back, sold it back to them, lost 30, 40 grand or whatever it was, you know, selling this Ferrari back to them. He said, I'm an Aston Martin man. Why did I do that? I don't know. And so it was just different wow. worlds. Do you know what I mean? Same problem, impulse purchase, just different magnitudes on, on what they could and can't spend. So uh, we had so I, just the people and the stories. Um, we have in the UK something called the Times Top 10 Rich List, uh, which every year the Times, uh, which is a newspaper here, details who the top 10 richest people are. And at that point, when when I was taking people over to Germany, um, I knew quite a few of them. I had their cell phones on my cell That's phone. That's a good small business, if you ask oh, me. That's it was a amazing. great business to be in. It was amazing. I would be on their private jets. I mean, I went and stayed in their ski chalets. I got to know some wonderful, wonderful people. Um, crazy things happen. Like there's a lady who um, I got to know, interior designer, beautiful lady. We just hit it off straight away. And uh, we met in Courchevel, which is in the Swiss Alps. Um, okay, big deal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no big deal. Like, just no, no, met, no, yeah. met in the Alps. Like, yeah, met in the Alps. I'd flew, I'd gone to the Alps on the client's private jet. Uh, I was staying in his ski chalet. He wanted a sauna, a steam room, and a shower in his chalet. And, um, and so I went over to spec it out, speak to the builders and stuff, and tell them what they needed to do. And that's where I met this beautiful lady who was his interior designer. Fast forward a few years, um, she gets married, and we made a on that trip while we were together, we hit it off so well. And, and she said to me, she goes, Matt, listen, if I ever get married, I want you to do the wedding ceremony. And I was like, okay, all right, why not? And so a few years later, she calls me out of the blue. I'm getting married. And she got married in an Austrian castle, which she'd rented. And so my wife and I flew over to Austria and I performed a wedding ceremony in an Austrian castle. And so, I mean, there's just lots of these stories, Andrew. I, I could wax lyrical all night. So I should probably. I knew stop when there. you said that, like there was a lot there that I was like, that's the stuff that I would love. But for our listeners, we're going to keep it to the title and move along. <laughs> but because. I think people drive, like for me, the most exciting thing. It's why I love this podcast. It's why I love the industry, the e-commerce industry. Like I just love meeting people. Mm. You know, people are what make the world go around. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're stories, right? Everyone has one. Uh, Absolutely. You know, and uh, a a lot of times I find that people that are successful by, you know, societal standards for the most part successful have like the best stories because Mm. uh, usually they're like those people are made of – a lot of struggle before they get there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it it makes for a good story. Getting back to your story. Okay. So you're learning all these things five years with them. You're still doing Simon, I believe Uh, you're still. Yeah. What happened was just to bridge the gap. Simon sold the business 
I tried to buy it, couldn't buy it, um, couldn't raise enough cash. He sold it to somebody else. I, in the meantime, built my internet business, went out on my own, started doing websites and all that sort of stuff, which I'd been doing as a side hustle. And then about five years after he sold it, the company that we imported the saunas and steam rooms from Germany got back in touch with me and said, would I get back involved? So this was when all the crazy things started to happen. And I was on clients' private jets because it was my company all of a sudden. So I was running an internet business and bizarrely a health spa business. And so, um, so that was, yeah, that was probably, when did I leave the health spa business? I left that 2011. So yeah. So did you get back into it from the distributor that was making them or from the company that, or like from the people that bought Simon's business? So the people that bought Simon's business, um, they had a license to import from the German manufacturer um, and to the UK. And after five years, the German manufacturer decided to end that relationship okay. um, the, for reasons which I probably shouldn't get into. But they decided to end that relationship. And they contacted me and said, listen, would you be interested in getting back involved? And I said, so, absolutely, I would. Yeah. So did you pick up a business that was pre-existing or you started another one then? So I started from scratch, but we yeah. had an existing customer base. Okay. Um, okay. And the health bar industry is quite small. So I, I had a little bit of a name at that point still. Um, and so we started literally from scratch, but inside of a couple of years, we were, I mean, we were all steam. I mean, I know I can attest that like, even if I'm spending 10 grand or 20 grand, let's say like, at least in my life, like I definitely want to have a relationship with that vendor or that person. Um, and it seems like, you know, you kind of get what you pay for in a lot of worlds, at least the ones I walk in. And, um, yeah, I can see why that like almost as you get a higher ticket item those people get even more and more and more i want to work with like who i know who i trust yeah, yeah, exactly. you know and they're like hey we want matt back kind of thing yeah, yeah okay so i love that i just want to get into the details like you didn't inherit a business you basically were starting from scratch mm -hmm. with a customer list they're like let's get back in the game and then you had an agency or a consulting business building websites mm -hmm. um did they both were they both taking off were you scaling them was it just you what was happening then no, there was me and uh, my business partner at the time, and uh, we 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 actually ended up doing two things. We 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 did the web agency, and we kind of merged an accounting idea. So we were doing accounting, and we were doing websites at the same time, which was quite good because a lot of people at the time knew they needed an accountant, but very few people had websites, and so it was kind of an easy upsell. Um, and then one of our website clients, um, a guy called Andy. Uh, I knew him from the health spa days. We ended up doing, you know, I ended up doing saunas and steam rooms from him. In fact, he was a guy that I spent several days with in Germany, get to know. He's a really interesting guy, South African guy. And um, he had uh, a health club in Jersey and he's like, listen, I really need to do something with this health club now. Have you got any ideas? And I said, well, man, you should, you should set up a website selling stuff online because at the time, bearing in mind, this is probably 2005, um, at the time, Jersey, which is a small island off the off the coast of France, it's kind of between, it's just off France, but it's still kind of English. Um, it's it's sort of independently British, if you like. It's a, it's a strange okay. thing, but it's a tax haven. And so um, I said, you really need to start selling online because they had this quirky rule, which meant that they could sell goods to the UK without charging um, VAT, which is like a sales tax. Yep. But our sales tax is 20%. So if you can sell something for 20 without that tax, you're 20% cheaper. Yep. Um, but you're still making the same profit margin as someone from the Just UK. passing it to the customer and you're yeah, beating everybody yeah, else on price alone. Huge. 
And so that's when 2006, we started Jersey Beauty Company uh, and, and, and launched Jersey Beauty Company. I remember it really well. We launched it August 2006. And um, I thought, you know, just from the limited research we'd done, I thought, you know what, <laughs> if we can, if we could just do 10 grand's worth of sales by the end of the year. So by the end of 2006, my plan was to have done 10,000 pounds worth of sales, about $15,000. And I was like, if we could do that, that would be great. And we would be on track and it would be kind of the upper end of the research that I'd done. Well, by the end of 2006, Jersey had not sold £10,000 worth of product. It had sold £400,000 worth of product. And that's just when we knew we had struck, you know, like a, a gold mine. Mm. It was just like, you know, that that picture, that cartoon of a mosquito that hits someone's blood vessel and, and it's just it's exploded well and it's like, pull out, pull out. And it just felt like that, like everything was just ballooning. Um, what were you guys selling? Beauty products. Okay. So, yeah, we took some well-known skincare brands like um, Dermalogica, uh, Gino was another one. I don't know if they're in the States, actually. It's a French skincare brand, super popular. Um, and we started with just two skincare brands, and we put them online, and, man, alive, did it take off. I mean, it properly went crazy. Is that how you met Jared? How did I? No, that's not how I met Jared. I was um, I was on somebody's podcast and oh, I'm really bad with names and it's going to come back to me the name of no, really it's beautiful. Okay. It's okay. I, I was just thinking of the the like similarities between you know skincare. Well, that's what happened. I was on someone's podcast. Beautiful lady. She was a skincare therapist and she was interviewing me uh, about her her podcast. Beautiful, beautiful lady. And as I was telling my story, she's like, "You need to meet Jared because you and him just sound so similar." And then yeah. so she introduced us. And then Jared and I connected and I, I'm like, dude, you are like, you're like me in America. You're like my, my American brother, you know, just the stories were so similar. And so, um, we met, we've hit it off really well. We talk probably once a month at the moment. He's a super cool guy. Yeah. I really like him. And you guys are in the same space, like building websites, mm -hmm. um, you know, have, uh, at least like, you know, skincare by Alana as a beauty brand. I don't know. We didn't get to the end of this one. So, okay. Things are ballooning. I want to bring us back before we jump into the part two. Um, let's give another shout out to our sponsor. Gusto. Yeah. Are you tired of long hours because of payroll? Save more time with Gusto with its automated processes. You can file taxes and manage payroll in a matter of minutes. What are you waiting for? Register at gusto.com backslash startup hustle to get a free three month subscription. Now that's gusto.com backslash startup hustle. For me, like it's it's so important to get like so much of my stuff automated and like that's a priority for me and mm -hmm. as well as being in the cloud, like I want to be in Liverpool and filing like all of my payroll, getting everything done without having to worry about employees pre-writing checks or like having this ready and have my assistant have to drop it in the mail. So, um, you know, gusto.com, great way to save. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't have a, a full-time um bookkeeper or i would say like hr person at the time in marknology i use like some fractional stuff and gusto really helps me plug that in so shout out to gusto for making this episode possible all right back to part two so the the where you're in you build a website on the island of jersey which is news to me i'm learning something new every day and uh and from there you guys are like expecting 15k in sales now listen if an amazon client came to me and was like hey drew like i'm ready to get started like you know, we're just shooting for 1500 a month in sales this year. If we end up the year with 15,000 in sales, we'll be happy. That would be like, 
the easiest target for me to hit in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, just because I'm like, that's a low, that's a low, like that was my own brand. I'd be pumped. Um, mm-hmm. cause I'd be building speed, but you're shooting for that. You hit 400,000, mm-hmm. um, 2006, uh, I wasn't in, I wasn't in the e-commerce game yet. Like I was very familiar with websites and computers and all of that, but I wasn't, um, doing Amazon or e-commerce. Um, I can imagine that being good at it, like, you know, and having a value add or an opportunity like that would have been huge, like that tax thing. And, and one kudos to you for being way ahead of the game, um, in regards to like understanding those types of strategies. Like I remember in 2000, well, I've been doing this 10 years. So like, let's say 2012 and we were working, like my first company was trailer hitches. And so we had to be really, uh, clever Mm -hmm. with how we shipped, uh, trailer hitches. And it was actually in our negotiations with FedEx and UPS that we got these amazing rates on anything oversized, which allowed us to be, even though we were later to the game, Mm -hmm. cheaper than every other distributor or reseller, um, because the money we were saving in shipping. So, um, now tax, you know, tax laws, all these things change with Nexus, but you know, with e-commerce being the wild west, if you're clever enough not to find loopholes but to find i i I would call them selling strategies Mm -hmm. um you can have an enormous success okay so you have spa business going on you have Mm -hmm. consulting agency going on now you have an e-commerce brand that's taking off almost as a half a million in his first year without trying uh what's next from there so um, everything was growing. So Jersey was growing. Um, the spa business was growing. Uh, we were, I was, it's interesting when you get success like that, um, all of a sudden people want to know how you do it. Mm. Right? And they, and so then we were starting to get people contacting me saying, uh, I need help with this. I need help with that. And the first person that said to me, I need help with my e-commerce business. I was like, I wonder if my, ideas my ideology here would translate to another business and so um i was like okay well we can do some coaching with you um and i didn't charge them to do it i was just like i just wonder if it would work you know and and so we started that out and then the next client that came well the next person that came along asked me the same question i'm like well sure but i'm gonna charge you this um and the next person that came along i doubled it and i just kept doubling that fee until someone went man that's quite expensive and that's how I found my pricing for the for the coach. So that's that subsequently that that whole coaching thing then has taken me all over the world. So not only do I get to run my own econ businesses, um, but I get to travel the world helping other people with their econ businesses, which is just awesome. It's just magical, honestly. It's just, I've I've seen so much of the world, and and you get to understand. The, the beauty of the planet and see different cultures and different ideas and you and you treat and does what you think work actually work in another country and what and what makes it oh, it's just i love it the whole I'm strategy doing, I, thing. i'm doing it now and i'm absolutely i've been i'm someone that would have probably been considered adhd or like you know especially when you understand all of my upbringing and like mm. you know e-commerce has been the only thing that's captivated me mm-hmm. um where i haven't been bored since since i found it yeah. um you know and there's just always something to learn now i'm doing international expansion and supply chain and trying to get more efficient and um you know actually just got involved with the project with um these nigerian women that we're gonna i'm gonna like build a business that's giving back to them and mm-hmm. you know it's just like that's you know i, I lived in cameroon's country over 
um and then you know so it's like what are you going to get involved with don't know yeah, yeah. it's like you know i haven't gone there yet to meet them that's my next question is okay so right now in the world of zoom okay this is in 2006 or 2008 mm-hmm. um you know i have clients all over the world in europe we're talking in Eng- you're in england right now mm-hmm. um how do i get it where they're starting to say hey i need you to see you in person come out like how does that work how do i get them to bring me to berlin that's a really interesting question. I can only tell you what I did, um, and that yeah, was to get really good at what I was doing. Okay. And I think if you did, you just say I need to be there in person. You just like make the ask. I think if I was if it was happening now, I think it might be different because back then Zoom wasn't really a thing, and um, the companies that I end up working with and, and coaching with, I just say to them, "Listen, I can talk to you over the phone, but let me tell you what will happen if I come over and spend a week with you guys." in person and i get to i want to go around your warehouse i want to i want to pick and pack with the workers i want to sit in your marketing department i want to hear the guys on the customer service phone um i I want to be able to take notes on everything and ask anybody in the company any question and get an answer i need that sort of freedom to go around the business there are very few people that will give it to you um but when you get it man alive can you do some really great stuff because you're a total outsider and you you see things. I remember, uh, again, he's become a really good friend of mine, actually, one of my uh, first clients in New Zealand. Went over, spent seven days with those guys, um, just deep diving in their business. And their marketing director, who was, with, who was walking around their business with me, she said to me at the end of sort of the end of day one, we'd only been there day one. She said, I've learned more about this company in the last few hours with you than I have the whole five years I've been working here. And you kind of go... Wow. Wow. I, I, in fact, I walked into the CEO's office um, day two. I'll never forget it. I walked into the CEO's office and I said to him, listen, if I can, I reckon I can tell you a way where you'll save a million bucks a year. But before I tell you what you can do to save that million bucks a year, will you give me 20% of the saving? <laughs> what do you say? He said, bugger off. <laughs> bugger off. <laughs> yeah. He said, there's no way, but you can tell me what we need to do. So I was having a laugh and a joke with him. It was great. No, I um, love it. I've had I've had one since like that movie verbalized and I can remember just how that made me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't a paid client. It was actually at a local university here. I'm a mentor there mm-hmm. and I would speak in some of like I was trying to become a speaker. I guess I am a speaker now, but at the yeah. time I was uh, becoming a speaker and was getting practice at uh, the class level. So, mm-hmm. you know, entrepreneurship 201 or whatever uh, or uh, design thinking and uh, I had a student through his dad, his dad reached out to me as a business and he said, my son said that your class or your like your lesson, your speaking, whatever he said was, was um, the most impactful thing he's ever heard in his four year career at college or something, you know, and I was just like, wow, I was just, I was That's just amazing. Yeah, speaking yeah. plain. I wasn't even doing anything genius. You know, mm-hmm. I was just like having a conversation with these kids, um, you know, not from a business perspective, but just knowing like, if you tell people what you're really thinking and not afraid mm. to ask questions and like, you know, get into it, it's a, it's amazing like what that insight can do for people mm. just to shoot straight. And I think in the business world, people are so scared of being wrong with the advice they're giving uh, that they're, you know, they don't do anything at all. Like I worked yeah. in that corporate environment and there's no incentive to stick your neck out. So for the lady that's there as the VP of marketing or whatever, um, you know, there's the frustrations or whatever of, an, of a, a company that size. But usually it's like, okay, if she suggests something crazy, it doesn't work. Like that's that's on her. Otherwise, she can just like keep maintaining. So mm. I think it'd be awesome to come in as a business consultant. And I'm asking because I think 
there's a part of me that sees my future in 10 years or wherever the case might be where um I'm either like, you know, some kind of investor where I'm buying businesses and and doing the same thing for them mm -hmm. or or coming in with a small team probably and and mm -hmm. doing the same thing you're doing. So just just, you know, when you think about where do you go from here sometimes, I think um continuing to to business solve um continue to solve problems in business for for companies around the world would be like a dream um, oh, it's 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 amazing and and the thing that i've noticed andrew is um that actually when you go into somebody else's company when you do this kind of stuff i, I say this to clients all the time i'm going to come in we're going to talk about stuff that is not rocket science you could figure out everything that i'm going to tell you right i haven't got a secret bullet i haven't got a secret source the principles that we're going to talk about, you could read in 24 different business books, right? The reality of it is I'm going to see it, whereas you currently don't, right? And, it, and, and that's the reality of it. That's the truth of it. Now, I know, for example, there are things in my business because I have become so tunnel visioned in what we're doing that I, I'm not going to see it. And this is why I, why I think, you know, go do the coaching, go do the consulting, because as you do it for somebody else, it makes you see your business in a different light and you go, man, I'm doing the same thing. I need to, do you know what I mean? I need Apply to change this mind. behavior. Apply yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I still don't know to this day, whenever I do coaching uh, or whenever I do consulting, I don't know to this day who gets more out of it, the client or me. Well, they always say teaching is the best form of learning. Oh, it's just, yeah. It's, you know, so it it's is, like, I can agree to that. And, um, you know, it is. I always say it's not rocket science. I've just spent mm. 10 years obsessing about the common science, you know, uh, on this platform. You know, it's mm. just like it's a methodology of just paying attention to the right things. Mm. And I think that um, just like in relationships, you know, like this is why it's so important to have like the people around you be of quality. You know, you are the sum of the five people around you mm. because what people can't see in themselves, you see in them. So mm. if the five people around you are inspiring and motivated and disciplined mm. and like, um, of good character and all those kinds of things you see it in them and you're like oh i can do this for me yeah. or you know what i'm saying like it becomes a reflection yeah. or even their um they're not so good qualities those are a mirror too and you're mm -hmm. like okay this is an amazing person that i highly respect that's of good character whatever mm -hmm. and they they i see this flaw uh that's something that like you know be, because you even have good people around you you see good people with flaws and you're like okay that's something that i want to address in my life mm -hmm. you know so i think that's the same thing in business uh, at least for me, is, um, you know, you're, if you bring somebody in, let's say reputation, you're bringing a good person into your company, a good consultant, uh, let's say it's even reputation, you know, they're coming in um, and they're able to look like um, at your business and just see the things that you can't, just kind yeah. of like a fitness trainer or anything else. And I didn't understand that until I charged myself and I valued myself and the advice I was going to give to others. Mm -hmm. It allowed it you know, a lot more open mindset in my, in my own mind to accept feedback from others and yeah. that consulting and be like, Oh my gosh. Like, uh, so like last year, um, or the year before the year before I had a speaking coach, um, you know, went through 12 lessons or so with him and God, he ripped me apart. Uh, but like, and I did a copy sales copywriting course, you know, those mm -hmm. are two like practical examples for anyone listening of things that I was like, you know, there's a lot of th good things I'm good at, sales yeah. copy is not it like you know i can i can write good content but sales copy is not um and speaking i wanted to be able to like get more direct with my points and just like get it out you know uh which can be hard for me 
Okay, so like, like we have like ten minutes. I want I want to get to, and I and I, I I digress for going down a rabbit hole there, but back to um back to talking about consulting, and and I was asking, how do you get them to fly you out? Like because I think mm-hmm. that's that's super cool. Like nowadays, I get samples and we get on a Zoom call and talk about mm-hmm. it. But it'd be so much, you know, from logistics, Amazon, the Amazon ecosystem is like, you know, you got supply chain, you got pricing, competitor analysis, profit, you have so many different aspects to in any e-commerce business, but specifically the Amazon one. Um, today's title is like, you know, selling an e-commerce business. At what point, so you have uh, the Jersey business, you're consulting for others. Mm-hmm. Um, where's your first exit come into play? Jersey wasn't my first exit. Um we I, I sold various businesses over the okay. years. Okay. Um, but this was really the the first, I mean, Jersey is what I was known for. So okay. the other businesses I sold, nobody, apart from the people that bought them, they, were, they weren't big out there business. But because I've been doing the e-commerce podcast, because now I was starting to get, you know, a little bit of exposure around the world in what I was doing, um, my name became synonymous with Jersey and Jersey became synonymous with me. Matt, the Jersey guy. And, um, and that, so Jersey is, is, is sort of the sale of almost part of my identity in some respects. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of, uh, but it was, it was time to move on. We'd been doing Jersey for 15 years. Um, and I think we'd given it, you know, a, a good innings. The world of beauty was changing. Um, and I just, I, I, I still get on really well with my business partner from Jersey, him and his, his wife, beautiful people, beautiful family. Um, but it was, I think those kind of relationships, they have a, a natural end and recognizing that end point and going, actually, it's probably good now if we do exit um, is really helpful. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, we, we, we were approached at the start of 20, what year are we now? 22. So it's 21. So the start of last year, we were approached by one of our competitors um, and they said, we'd love to buy Jersey. Uh, and I said, well, awesome. Cause we're thinking of selling it. So let's have a conversation. And so we, we did, and we reached a deal and um, it took about, about seven months for the whole thing to go through, um, which is both fast and slow at the same time. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was it was the right time and it was a good thing to do and i and it's it's freed me to do some whole other things now which is great and um, but i but part of me still misses it yeah no doubt and it's something that um i've had to contemplate you know the last couple of years i think since all the aggregators and there's offers going everywhere for e-commerce businesses or agencies and who would i be even during the pandemic without offers on the table you know is what if these what if our client base can't afford to pay us, you know, not saying they'll all go under, but what if they, they're unable to pay or they close their doors or stay on pause for 12 months or all these scenarios went in my head. Um, and I really had to do some, you know, internal searching just to make sure I wanted to be sure that I wouldn't lose my identity. If Mm. for some reason I went, you know, I'm still going to be in business. I'm still going to figure things out. But if Marknology goes away, like, who am I? You know, mm. um, I wouldn't say I'm synonymous with Amazon. Um, but, you know, if I'm known for something, it's definitely that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if that's taken away from me, um, you know, what how, what do I do? Uh, mm. And, you know, I think there's I can find plenty of things to do, but I want to find something that I'm as passionate about. I wouldn't mm. be able to replace it with something that's passionate. Yeah. You know? um, 
Okay, so seven months. I don't think that's a super long time. You know, um, it's not short. Um, but you know, due diligence, and I just know that those things take time. You've already sold other businesses. Um, do you have other e-commerce businesses you're working with now that you're trying to do the same thing, or can we kind of speak to that vaguely? Like, what? Yeah, how's the um, e-commerce business compared to like some of the other exits? So, it's a funny thing when you exit any. Uh, an e-commerce by any business i think when you exit a business you have an i especially if you've not done it before you have this dream don't you every entrepreneur's dream is i want to build a business business i want to exit at the right time and so in your head i'm going to build it and i'm going to sell it i'm going to get a chunk of money which i'm going to be grateful for i'm then going to sort of walk away into the sunset and you know go live in the bahamas or wherever you know wherever your, your dream is and um the reality is very, very different, uh, very different. And so it's, it's you know, if you're, if like you, you're involved in the business in a way which is more than name only, you know, your, your heart, your soul, your passion is going into this thing. Um, you know, selling your business is like selling your kidney. It's a, it's a bit, bit more of a decision. You know, you're not, you're not putting an old toaster on eBay and getting 20 bucks for it. This is quite a, a big deal. And so you've got to know that the time's right. I mean, you've really got to know the times right because the the cost of selling the business is quite high. So there's the emotional cost, but there's the fact that a stranger is going to come poking around your business and ask you questions which you're not going to like, um, and you're you you almost feel like you're defensive every day trying to justify things that you've done or not done. Why do I have to justify to you something that I built? Like, do you yeah. want it or not? Kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. It, and, and, and of course, you can understand it from the buyer's point of view. They want to know what they're buying. You know, they yeah. give it's a, it's a lot of it's a chunk of change that they they're, they're parting with. So they they want to know there's longevity in it for them, and that they can make this thing work. So it's quite right that they do this due diligence. But due diligence is not a pleasant process. No, it's not. You know, you go to the doctors, you get a medical. The outcome is good. You know, in terms of you want to go, you want to get the results. The process, yeah. You know, when he tells you to bend over, it's not going to be pleasant, but it's something you just need to do for a little while. And so and so it's a lot like that selling your business. There's a lot of contracts to read. There's a lot of admin work. There's a lot of paperwork to go through. And I remember the first e-commerce business I sold um, back in 2002. Honestly, it was the easiest thing in the world that I was buying a product from somebody I knew in the industry Um and we were selling it. And the guy that I was buying the product from just said to me, well, Matt, can I buy the website from you? It's successful. It's got my products on there. And so it just means I can start the ball rolling from down. And I said, sure. What, how much are you willing to spend? And we reached a price. I sent him an invoice and he paid me the invoice and I gave him everything. And it was just easy. Just handed it over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it an LLC? No, no, no. It was or like six just, months just old. It's just a website. Okay. It's just like, okay. here you go. Have at it sort of thing. It was I think the amount we sold it for was like 50 grand. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was, it was. Maybe You're like, I didn't put 50 grand worth of work into it. And now you got 50 no, no. grand. Yeah. Yeah. And it was easy. I, I, to be fair, I don't think it was 50. I can't, I genuinely can't remember how much it was. Um, but I think but you're selling like me. Jersey was a lot more involved. It was not like that at all. Not like, well, you're that. also selling to a competitor, which I was thinking having them poke around would be extra, you know, extra. Yeah, what if they don't buy it? Right. Mm. They've got access to, you know, your methodology. They want to know what you're doing, your accounts. That, and there's, there's a lot of trust that has to go on in the background as well. Lawyers have to get involved. And I mean, don't, my lawyer is a very good friend of mine. 
another guy with ginger hair. Love him to bits, right? Mm -hmm. Great, great guy. Very capable lawyer. I need to move to England. I need to move back. I think, you know, I'm I'm 99.9%, you know, uh, English or at least European by 23 in me. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, man, my people are there, I think. You know, there's just, I've already heard about three or four gingers. I'm sure I can make friends. I'm sure Uh, you could. My daughter's a ginger as well. I'm like, okay, yeah. anyone that can be bullied and have a sense of humor, I'm like, all right, I like those people. So, <laughs> That's just uh, how we do it in England. We just laugh. That's the best Okay, way. so so your lawyer's a, a redhead, super trust them, and still yeah, wanted it's to still, kill it's, Yeah, yeah, it's still a pain in the ass, right? And yeah. so, um, but that's lawyers. That's what they do. That's what they're supposed to do. And that And that's when you've got a good one. When you've got a bad one, man alive, they can just suck the life out of the universe and... and and it, you know, oh. they're literally I, the opposite of me. Like they think about yeah. risk and like, you know, yeah. or like all of those no's. And, and I'm like, I'm the complete opposite of you. <laughs> There's yeah. a reason we don't get along well. Yeah, exactly. It is. And you, but you've got to be comfortable with that. You know, yeah. they're there to do a job. They, they, you know, they, to be fair, they get a bad rap lawyers. I think, you know, they, they, they're there to keep me out of jail and get me, you know, get me the money at the end of the day. Martin, my, my friend, my lawyer did a great job. Phenomenal guy. Um, but it's still, you've still got to be mentally prepared for that. You know, you've still got to go, right, this is like today I'm working with another company. They're an e-commerce agency. Sorry, I'm the e-commerce agency. They're an e-commerce business. We, we in effect run their entire operation for them. Yep. Um, they've outsourced their whole of their e-commerce to us with an, with an intent to sell. So they want to sell their business in three to five years time. And so having gone through the whole thing with Jersey now, I'm already talking to Martin about the the contracts that need to be in place so that when it comes to due diligence, the whole process is so much easier. But it still meant that today I spent four hours going through draft number three of uh, quite a reasonably important contract. But do the work now. It's a lot easier for the, you know, when we come to sell it. That's um, that's very time timing. Um, I mean, I'm struggling with words today. That's very like um, timely timely advice even in my own life um you know we're working with four brands right now that are planning to exit that i've been told you know they literally have hired us to exit uh you know in in 18 to 24 months is kind of the timeline um there's retainers there's profit sharing there's like uh you know um brokerage fees for making the intros or basically we just agreed to um if we hit these certain success goals as we're building the brand to exit, like if we hit this, we get this, if we hit this, we hit this. And as an Amazon agency, I've never negotiated in a contract from the beginning of working with them, um, a percentage upon exit. Uh, so that's like, you know, it's new stuff for me. I've been a part of nine exits. So nine of the brands I've worked with in the past have exited. I wasn't the one pulling the strings or in the back end of the back office for them. Um, but I was the one that built the brand or built the website or built the Amazon. Right. Um, and there's some were running the full ship, uh, you know, like from three PL to, um, social media, to content creation, to web, to Amazon, even, even here at Marknology when we specialize in Amazon. Um, so something very relevant to what I'm doing. Um, you know, and it's like, it comes down to at least maybe you can like correct me if I'm wrong, but, really comes down to your contracts, you know, um, the longevity comes into like, okay, well, do we have these vendors locked in for a couple of years? Do we have these partners locked in for a couple of these clients? And what's your churn rate? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it comes to profitability, mm-hmm. um, you know, and what those percentages look like. 
um and then the team and like mm. you know how sustainable at least as an agency or as uh an e-commerce team um okay so who's going to run this after you're gone or if it's not an aggregator buying it so you know some of those things that i think can be translated across whatever business that is um but you're right like if you're planning for that what are the ways you can get set up for success without having to do four or five before you learn or you know before you finally learn like i'm not trying to to learn on marknology i'll be honest with you like that's not the one i want to take that crash course on <laughs> um you know, but I know that it's it's near, it's in the future. Mm. So these are things like very top of mind for me, very top of mind for the industry. A lot of Amazon sellers, you know, this is their baby. They've built it. It's created freedom in their life, maybe got them out of their nine to five. And, you know, now they're being, you know, offered eight, 10, 16 X multiples, mm. um, which is just an absolute crazy time. Mm. Um, and you know what? What's crazy is I know quite a few people that have exited. And, um, you know, when I'm talking to them, energy wise, I wouldn't say necessarily what they say, but energy wise, and a bit of what they say, um, they almost always say it's not like what they expected. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they say it was a tough grueling process. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of them like hate the earnout part of it, uh, mm -hmm. I think, because they go from running their own ship to having someone kind of, you know, boss them around or like change so many things. Mm -hmm. And being a part of that as it changes can be hard. Um, and I just make note of that, you know, like when you, it's almost yeah. like, uh, if you've been around someone and you never hear them brag about their job or talk about their job that they love, you know, you're like, well, I know that they don't love their job because if they did, we'd be hearing mm. about it. Um, so I think that's interesting insight. And I would love for you just like, because I believe that like, you know, the level of happiness that you have with anything, a person, an activity, uh, exiting a business, doing what you love, um, comes down to expectations. Right. Like that's mainly it. Like if you go to see a movie and you expect a B movie and it's a B movie, you're happy. If you go mm. expecting an A and it's a B movie, you're like, eh, it's kind of like subpar acting, you know, yeah. and you're not happy. So like um, the Eternals. <laughs> yeah. See, there we go. There we go. Like if your expectation, like if I go there, just like I'm going to go watch a B movie action action. I know it's just action. The acting's going to be kind of shitty. Um, I'm like, yeah, I got what I wanted out of it. I saw some awesome stuff blow up, you know? Um, and I think that with so many people, like you have this goal of an exit in mind, maybe for years, maybe for a lifetime. And then, like you said, you get there and it's like not what you expected and you're left kind of just like empty. I would love to just wrap out the show, like, you know, with you, your thoughts on just, um, mindset wise, besides just like the admin and lots of work and someone pushing in your business, like what can founders, um, prepare themselves for a book to read a podcast to follow like just just your your advice on um what they can be doing uh besides hiring a consultant like you i'll leave that there what could they be doing <laughs> um to, to get themselves to get themselves you know better positioned mind wise mindset wise expectation wise for those things yeah when it comes to exit there's a number of things that you have to think about besides your own soul obviously you've got to think about um your end customer so you know, the people buying Jersey, in effect, were buying that customer. And so I have to be able to, I have to make sure that that transition from, from me to them, ultimately, the customer couldn't lose out, right? So I had to think about that ahead of time. And we had to plan okay. for the customer. So that could be contracts. It could be contracts, it could just be um, making sure that the people buy it, really understand your customer. Do you know what I mean? And, and, um, what the secret sources are and, and what makes them tick and why you do certain things and the results of that. So, you know, the, the, 
there are certain things that we did and we I went to great lengths to explain why we did them and the learning process um, that we had with Jersey and why our customers loved it because they're going to want to see that carry on, right? Um, the second person you have to think about, um, so you've got your customers to think about, you have to think about your staff, your team, mm. because you cannot, if you've got a team, you cannot sell a business if they're demotivated, if they're anxious, if they're, who, whoever's coming in to buy it, are they, are they getting the team? Are they, are they, are they losing the whole team? What's going to happen to the team? And for me, when we sold Jersey, um, this was probably the biggest question in my mind I had to resolve because um, there was what, 15 staff, something like that at, at Jersey. And I was like, I don't, I don't want 15 people to lose their jobs. And I just sit at home, you know, with a glass of cognac thinking, man, I've done well. Do you, and, do you know what I mean? And it, you've worked with those 15 people 15 years, maybe not all of them, but yeah. they're all right, friends. Not, I, I, yeah. You know, and, and it's, and you have to think about the scenario for them. Um, I don't necessarily have to take responsibility for absolutely everything, but I have to take responsibility for something and I have to think about them and I, I have to get them excited. I have to get them on board um, with what's going on because, you know, if they're not on board, you're going to find selling your business unbelievably hard and complicated. Um, like, I mean, it's hard enough as it is, you know, get your team with you <laughs> because otherwise, you know, you'll find yourself alone one day trying to do the work of nine people and preparing your company for selling it. And you're going to struggle. Um, and it's not, it's not a, a great way to, so my, my advice is this, whenever you're coming to exit, whenever you're going to end something, end it well. So your relationship with your customers end that well, your relationship with your staff end it well, your relationship with your suppliers. This was a lesson I learned when I, when I exited the, the health spa business, I, I don't think I, I ended the relationship with my suppliers particularly well at this point. Um, and it, there's, it's been difficult to repair some of those good friendships as a result of my stupidity at that point in time. That was a really big lesson learned. So the suppliers who work with you, you know, um, the, some of our suppliers from the beauty brand, I, part of me didn't have a great relationship with them in the first place, but some of the brands, I had a very good relationship with. And so how can I still stay friends with those guys? You know, how can I still go and down to London and have a beer with them or whatever it is that I'm doing, maintaining those relationships and ending those business relationships. Well, I think is crucial. Don't burn the bridges. Um, I love that. I love that. And I, I would echo that. Like another way of looking at it is just like looking for the win-win in all of those areas like what's a win for me and a win for my employees what's a win for me and a win for my customers are they getting a better team a more supported mm -hmm. team you know what are the what are the things i can sell them on exactly. um yeah i think that's amazing the last question i have okay mm -hmm. uh because i could keep going forever because i've got <laughs> people don't understand who i've got on as a guest today like full of information um i think the last thing i would say is okay so if you had to put them in an order of priority mm -hmm. okay um is it the customers first? Is it your team? Um, I think that would depend on what you're going on to do. Um, and so with the, with what I was going on to do, um, a lot of the team were not, you know, the team weren't going with the guy that bought Jersey. Um, he was a competitor. He was um, going to put his team in place. Yeah. He had his team and he had, which is fair enough for him. You know, he's got his methodology. He's going to plug that in. So I had 15 people, to then think about going forward. And so for me, it was key to get that team motivated, um, to get them where, 
I couldn't give them the exact answers about the future because I genuinely didn't know. But I could be 100% honest um, about where I was at, um, but also mix that honesty with hope. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, just facts on its own can be a little bit painful sometimes. Yeah. Um, and you know what, Andrew? At the end of the process, I sit back and I look at the sale of Jersey and I, and I, I would say it ended well. Not because, you know, of of the sale because I, I drive around in the black Ferrari that my client sold back for 40 grand less. It's not, I don't actually drive around in a Ferrari by the way, but do you know what I mean? It's, it's not because of what you would normally associate with success. It's because for me, I ended it well because all of those guys still have work and I'm still in relationship and, st- and actually quite a few of them still work for me. Some of them decided to move on, which was fine. They wanted to do something new and the stuff that I'm now doing with that team we are rocking and rolling, man. I mean, I it's love it. just, everyone's got this fresh vibe. We've moved warehouse. It's a brand new start. There's an energy we've not had for a few years and it is just kicking off big time. And so I'm super stoked with that. And um, so I think to answer your question, what's most important, it depends what you're going to do afterwards. It really does depend. And I think um, for me, it was the team. It really I was love the that. team. And, 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 and in dream world, I would, I would continue to, to build or uh, improve or consult for businesses with with my core team, mm-hmm. um, you know, I feel like I've built a world class team uh, mm-hmm. here. You know, so I'm just thinking through my own lens of you know what that mm-hmm. could look like, yeah, yeah. and um, I think that's important. Know know what's next, um, and it makes me think of the four agreements, the book, the four agreements, where it says do everything with excellence. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of the things. Do everything. Um, even closing out your relationships, even ending things like in, end with excellence. Um, and I can attest in some, I've written emails like 12 different times where I felt like I needed the, the reason, you know, to explain to a client why I was letting them go and let me give them all the reasons why and justify it and help, help them for the next relationship that they're going to have. And, um, the things that went wrong or the reason why, and, you know, um, it's only happened a couple of times mm-hmm. and I can say that in those times, um, I feel much better at peace with the short email I wrote that was kind. And that was just, you know, suggesting uh, it's time to part ways. And, you know, how can I serve you in this uh, onto the next chapter? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a huge part of me that wanted to write the 12 emails before, right? They're just like, mm-hmm. let me tell you why I'm right. Uh, you know, um, but at the end of the day, I think e- ending something with kindness and being cordial and, mm-hmm. um, really is the way that you know i feel better about at night and uh, you know on to the next chapter when i hear them i don't think of resentment or bitterness or like anger because yeah. we ended well yeah so. and that's so important i mean i can look back over my life and i have a handful of relationships that have not ended well and i i regret every single one of them yeah and you it's easy to sit and go it's their fault and this that and the other thing you just can't be if i'm honest with myself i just go i just that's just not right. And I, I, part of me wishes I, I could go back and change some of those things. And some of it's down to them. Some of it's down to me and my pigheadedness or whatever it is, you know, in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. But then there's things that I look back and go, that ended really well. I wish I could do everything like that. Do you know what I mean? And uh, so that's always my advice to people now. End it well. Just end well. Don't don't leave anything on a bad note. You know, it just wherever possible, end it well. Start a puzzle. Um, I think that's an awesome note to le- to end it on. Matt Edmondson, thank you so much for being on the show. And Gusto, thanks again for being our sponsor for today's episode. Uh, manage your HR needs with Gusto is the way to go. Make it easier to onboard talents, handle payroll, and support your people in any way. 
Gusto's platform is powered by advanced technologies, so talent management and payroll processing will never be the same again. Try Gusto for free. Sign up at gusto.com backslash startup hustle and enjoy a three-month free subscription. Uh, Matt, I know this won't be the last time. Uh, loved being on your show. I could have picked your brain all day today. I think we have a few more businesses to get into the weeds of. Maybe we'll oh, have yeah. a part two and three. Um, but I know it's getting probably later there. Thanks again, listeners, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.